from Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 46. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts, text expander from Smile, type more with less effort, and Fracture, photos printed in vivid color directly on glass. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the wonderful Mr. Jason Snell. Oh, that's very nice of you to say. Hi, Mike. You are pretty wonderful yourself. Welcome to the Mutual Ad- Admiration Society, I suppose. How are you? I am very well, sir. How are you? Good. Good. Very good. Had a good, had a weekend, actual actual weekend, which I very rarely have. It was uh, That was very nice. My wife and I are here. The kids are coming back in a couple of days, but they're with their grandparents. And uh, we, I uh, didn't have an incomparable episode this weekend. So, uh, you know, that's hours of editing that I often do on Saturday mornings gone. I, I only had, uh, I did have a podcast this weekend, but it was early on Saturday morning and then nothing else the rest of the weekend. And it was great. It was like, this must be what we, this is why people like weekends. <laughs> So it was a it was a good rest. It was a good break. Did you have a lot of weekends when you were at IDG, or you were still doing all the incomparable stuff? Well, right? that, that's so... exactly it. All the side project stuff. I mean, Saturday morning is podcast morning for me. You know, generally, I I will uh, make you know breakfast when the kids are here. Especially, I'll make breakfast and all that, and we'll do that, and then I'll go out and you know I'll spend three or four hours working on the incomparable and there's often a podcast recording session in there and yeah that was true at idg as well plus you know stuff comes up where i've got ongoing stories or things for idg you know it yeah i mean it's not that different than than it was where where the weekend is interspersed i've just got work stuff interspersed with life stuff and that's just how it is and that's fine but this weekend was nice in the sense that i uh i sort of said no i'm not gonna I'm not going to do that this weekend. This is our our last chance to get a couple of days with kind of we had we had nothing else on the calendar. Usually there's take a kid somewhere and do this or take the kids this way and and there was nothing and and it was one of those moments of like, "Hey, let's celebrate having nothing on the calendar by not putting anything on the calendar." So we didn't. It's not bad. Not bad. Yeah, my weekends tend to be a balance of life and business, but it tends to work out pretty well actually. I mean, we still did stuff like um, we went for some walks and uh, we uh, we did a bunch of house stuff. So like painted, we painted a lot of stuff, like touched up a bunch of paint in the house and painted some furniture and bought some, bought my son a new desk. And we did stuff, but it wasn't, you know, we, we it wasn't the usual stuff. And that was good. I, I, I plugged in, I rewired my TV with these new HDMI cables because I got frustrated by how our tv was set up it was really confusing and i couldn't tell what was plugged into where and i bought all these color they were longer they need to be longer and not broken because some of them were kind of questionable in and i threw them away and uh and they need to be uh colored so that i now know like my tivo is hooked up with the red cable (laughs) did you go with the gold plated option no I, i got a reasonably priced mono price set of cables but they're they they have colors so that's that makes me happy so yeah, red. Red for the TiVo. Shall we move into your very favorite of all verticals? Uh, well, it, it is the uh, container in which all verticals reside, which is follow-up slash out. And let's, <laughs> let's do that now. So Angus wrote in uh, about our discussion last week um, in Ask Upgrade about Touch ID in apps. And this is what Angus had to say. 
Uh, there's another reason uh, that you may have not mentioned about why Touch ID exists in applications because we were questioning as to whether you need it if you lock yeah. your phone. Um, apps that use Touch ID also have access to the Safari keychain. Mm. This means that apps that require a username and password to access a web component, such as the Backblaze app and also sections of the Apple Store and Amazon apps, can retrieve these details by using Touch ID instead of having to ask every time they're launched, assuming the login details are obviously saved in the keychain. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good tip, Angus. Uh, that, that's not. I've I've noticed this with. Um, I mean, this is why you lock your phone too, because they the Safari won't let you have access to Safari Keychain unless you've got a lock on it. And uh, I was just. Uh, it can be really convenient. I was uh, on this iPad two that I'm using. iPad Air two that I'm using for iOS nine. I realized I didn't have uh, Safari stuff synced and once i did that and my password became started just showing up everywhere it's very convenient even if you use one password having stuff uh saved in the safari keychain can be uh incredibly convenient mm-hmm. because it just auto fills it and you don't even need to look it up and i do that for some for some stuff and uh and so yeah that you would you would want that to be locked away obviously so that's another good another good reason i am happy to have more reasons to use touch id i wish touch id was you know, everywhere, because it's so much easier to just verify it with my thumbprint than to have to deal with typing a password in somewhere. I'd I'd love it to be everywhere. I wish it was on my Mac. I was thinking about that the other day. I was typing something in and thinking, you know, this Mac's never going to have it because it would be a new Mac hardware, but I I would love to have that. Or, Or somebody was speculating, I remember reading somewhere, somebody was speculating of like a new Magic Trackpad that maybe was Force Touch, but that maybe it would also have a, uh, a Touch ID sensor somewhere in it. Um, that would be that would be cool. Although I don't know whether securely whether you can do something like Touch ID with a non with a wireless device or not, because there might be yeah. some man in the middle or some other kind of security mm. problems there. But yeah, it would be nice to do something like Touch ID on the Mac just to not have to type in that password because I'm you know my voice is my passport. Verify me. That's from uh, sneakers, Mike. Indeed, I yeah. I know that okay. very well. Good. Uh, Will has provided uh, another way in which you can shuffle artists, and this also will provide a little bit of clarification that I don't think I was completely clear on. So if you remember in previous episodes, we've spoken about the fact that uh, you can't very easily play artists, like you just shuffle all songs in an artist if they have more than two albums in Apple Music, if you have more than two albums specific artists, the option to shuffle all songs goes away, but Will discovered that if you go to the artist view, so you've got the list of all artists, and you tap on the thumbnail of the artwork it just starts playing all songs and then you can shuffle them. This is exactly what I was looking for, however it's, I now know that it's not what Jason was looking for at all, and I think me, along with many other people have missed this, so I'm going to try and sum this up for you Jason. Okay. Because I, I, I'm worried that we've not been able to to get this locked down. What I am looking for is I, for example, have Kings of Leon. I have added all of Kings of Leon's albums into my Apple Music collection. So they are there. So now I can go in, press the album artwork on the artist view, and it will start playing them all. But what you're looking for is a way to search for Kings of Leon, and then shuffle shuffle play all of their albums without adding them to your collection right. first. I, that, that, was, that was what I was looking for, is how do, I, how do I go to an artist that I'm interested in hearing from? And not all artists have a playlist that says intro to this artist, right? How, so how do I listen to songs of theirs? Um, and one of my thoughts is just, why don't I just shuffle 
through their albums. Just, you know, just shuffle all their songs. Now, there, there's there's problems with them, that because there's a lot of junk, duplicates, special editions, things like that. But that was just my thought was when I go to any artist, I should be able to say, you know, play me some stuff from this artist. And you can't do that unless you unless you add them. I mean, you can play stuff, but it doesn't seem like you can play like show me a sample or just show me a random collection of this artist. Instead, you need to either add them to your library or if you're lucky, there's a playlist and then that solves it. Because then there's a, you know, intro to artist name. Like, intro to Kings of Leon is probably a playlist. And I could go there and play that, not knowing them. And those playlists are really designed for me, because you know them well. And so it wouldn't be... I, I, I see those playlists on artists I know, and I'm like, no, I, I could make my own playlist. Thank you. But for me, as somebody who doesn't know an artist, that would be really useful. Um, but sometimes they're not there. And then I end up in this situation where... I, I don't think you can go into like their list of songs and just shuffle that. But what you could do is I was just looking this up. You could search for the artist name and then in the search results, click on the heading of songs mm-hmm. and you can play it that way. But the problem with that is it plays absolutely everything, including all of the album songs, all of the singles from those albums, all live it's everything, right? That's the problem. But it is possible to select somebody like that and just play everything. However, I just did a search for Alabama Shakes, which is a which is a band that I quite like. But the problem is, as you go further down, there is stuff that is not Alabama Shakes in here. So actually, that won't work. Hmm. Hmm. This yeah. is a conundrum. Right, because it's it's finding everything that matches. Yeah, I I saw that too. Where I searched for uh, Genesis for a forthcoming episode of a, of a different podcast. Um, Cause I was listening to some Genesis in, in advance of doing that podcast. And um, I could, I could play from that songs list, but that songs list also contained all the uh, songs with the word Genesis in it. <laughs> so it wasn't an, it wasn't an artist uh, shuffle at that point, but I could go into that artist. I just don't, I, you know, this is, I mean, what I'm really saying is, um, I, maybe maybe what I'm asking for is a programmatic playlist. If you don't have a really good intro playlist, give me a you know most popular songs by this artist playlist or something. Because some I, I, artists do have that. So again, I'll right, use but, Alabama Shakes as an example. They have a uh, it just says top songs and it just has like seven songs, but it's not a playlist. It's just the most popular songs by that right. artist. Right, so that's I want more of that because yeah. for me, I hear about a band, I know nothing about them, I've only heard one song by them in some other playlist. I go, oh, they're interesting. What do I do? And right now, it seems like what I really need to do if they don't have a playlist that's been curated for them is sort of just pick an album at random and start playing it. Um, but what if I want to add like three albums and shuffle them? I can do it, but it's a, it's more work. So I just feel like that's a that's a discovery thing that I have um, that that I, I desire that I would like to see. But you know, it's early yet. Oh, and a uh, listener, Rich, um, also suggested, and I think this actually does work: is use Siri and tell Siri to play uh, music from a band, and it will find twenty songs by that artist and hmm. and play them. So it turns out that there are many, many ways uh, to pronounce the name of the tea that we were talking about <laughs> during South, the New the Mexico South African tea. tea? Company. 
Yes. So many people wrote in, many people wrote in, many people were angry. Um, and there are two different ways to pronounce the T, which is spelt R-O-O-I-B-O-S. There is an English way and a Dutch way. So I'm going to do my best here. Okay. Uh, the English way is rooibos, mm-hmm. and the Dutch way is rooibos. All right. Uh, but many people call it redbush, because that's what that translates That's what it means, to. yeah. Yeah, redbush tea. So there you go. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to the Wikipedia page, which has the audio clips, which I attempted to uh, pronounce in my own way. And, it's actually uh, Wiktionary rather than Wikipedia. And uh, it's still pronounced hibiscus. Hibiscus. No. Hibiscus. Hibiscus. <laughs> hibiscus. Uh, no. Yeah, well, all, <laughs> hibiscus is so close. Um <laughs> Hibiscus, I think you know more, um, especially if you're uh, near Hawaii, because it's a very common thing in Hawaii, and I've been to Hawaii many times. You've never been to Hawaii, right? I've never been to Hawaii. It's high on my list of places to go, though. You should, you should, uh, yeah, you should go sometime. That that's the kind of thing that, given how far away it is for you, that's the kind of thing where if you are going to the west coast of North America planning it into something like that before or after or during a trip to the west coast of north america would is one way to one way to fit it in because it's it is just for people who don't live in california essentially it is out in the middle of nowhere because it's in the middle of the pacific ocean but it's great i love it it's my favorite place in the world yeah it's high on the list yeah get there someday volcanoes you know my favorite lava i love it you you should say um Tell, say I love some lava. I love some lava. Okay, it's just fun. It's more fun in English accent. Anyway, oh, uh, <laughs> are you a lava lover? A lava lover. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, we got a lot of feedback about the space stuff we talked about. I I uh, pelted you with space facts, uh, which I I have to say. Um, I have been doing to people around me since I was in first grade. I remember very distinctly that I got some book about the planets in first grade and actually like would read facts from the book to my classmates in first grade. And I, it is a wonder that they didn't just like punch me in the face and throw me down in the dirt. Um, so I've been doing it since then. So I, you got to, you got to hear it from me. And then later in the week, you got to hear it from Steven on connected mm-hmm. <laughs> because you have the pleasure to, to host podcasts with two people who are space fans. So you got it. You got it twice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it though, um, because I, you know, like all nerds, space is interesting to me. I've just never spent a lot of time learning about it. You know. Yeah. So we we were hopefully able to kind of boil it down uh, and make it uh, make you know make it understandable and interesting. I, we got some really nice feedback from people about it, which was great. I did make a mistake, which I heard about. Uh, several times because that's what happens with podcasts is you make the mistake once and then as people listen to it over the course of the week they all tell you that you were wrong <laughs> yay <laughs> uh, uh, New Horizons when it left the earth was the fastest launch of a of a, uh, a object going that we that we've sent out into the solar system um, but it is no it is not the fastest moving object uh, because both of the Voyager probes, uh, at the very least, there may actually may be some others too, but certainly the Voyagers are going faster. They went around Jupiter and Saturn, um, and when you go around a big planet like that, it usually 
um, is increasing your speed and pushing you on to the next one. They have a sort of uh, gravity assist thing that happens, and it's complicated. But um, so I'm not going to talk about it too much because then I'll have to correct that next week. Uh, but the idea is the Voyagers are going faster, so so their uh, New Horizons is never going to catch up. The Voyager two, I think, will be the uh, furthest out object that we've made for uh, you know the foreseeable future. So. Um, we got a nice bit, bit of feedback from Andy, listener Andy, um, who enjoyed our accidental astronomy and asked if there were any beginner level astronomy podcasts to recommend. Um, back in the early days of podcasting, I actually listened to these podcasts like 2008, 2009, somewhere in there that are by a guy named Richard Pogge, uh, who is an astronomy professor at Ohio State University. And we'll put the link to his page in the show notes. It's an old school. It's like a tilt. It's got a tilde in the directory name. It is old school web, uh, but it's got links to. He did. Um, he recorded himself with uh, several of his uh, introductory astronomy classes. Um, there, there are three that I listen to that are all still up from two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand nine. Um, and they're in, I think they're in the iTunes podcast directory, but he's also got d- the direct links on his, on his site. So we'll put that in the show notes. And then he's all at Pogge, P-O-G-G-E. He actually has a, a more recent course in iTunes U that you can also listen to. I think he's a really good teacher, um, which is not always the case with professors at major universities. They're, they're there because they're good at research and getting grants and things like that. And the teaching is often secondary, but Pogge, I thought was just a really um, first. First, I love that in 2007 he basically he bought himself an MP3 recorder and a clip-on microphone and um, record and just thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could record my lectures? And then he also made them available to the students so that they, if they missed a lecture, they could listen back, or if they were there, they could still listen back, which I always thought was really cool. And he's and it, it was a it, there were good courses, so I recommend those if you really want to dive in. They are intended as essentially inter- introductory courses. One of them is about the solar system; it just goes through every part of the solar system. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, in terms of like modern podcasts, Neil deGrasse Tyson's Star Talk podcast is is uh, widely loved. So I'll throw that out there. I really enjoy the NPR Science Friday podcast, which they. Um I, I don't know if they still do this or not. One of the things I liked about it is they split all the segments up into individual um, items. So they would do a show for a couple of hours, but instead of dropping like one uh, podcast, they would drop all the segments. And I always, I always liked that because I could uh, listen to the segments that interested me and skip the ones that didn't. Um, Sounds kind of like chapter markers. Yeah, they, a little bit, except <laughs> instead they're just episodes. Are the chapters each 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 segment is its own episode, and they drop you know a bunch of episodes every Friday. Um, and of course, you and Stephen in- introduced the the best space podcast to never exist, <laughs> which is Space and Cider. Not Space Insider. That's a website. It's Space and Cider because people drink cider while talking about space, uh, and you can't get that anywhere because it is made up. So it really sounded like he said that. I know, I know, but he did. I I actually just <laughs> bought spaceandsider.com. Just <laughs> all right, just in case. Just in just case. in case. Just in case. You never know. You never know. So a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, we were talking <laughs> about my knowledge of the U.S. states. I can't even remember how this came up. And I said I would take a quiz. And a couple of days after the show, I did, but we forgot to talk about it last week. Right. There's so, so much last you, week. Yeah. Have you seen the results of my of my U.S. state quiz? I sent it to you, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the, to a PDF of my quiz results. No. Oh, here so, it is. Here it is. Okay. I hadn't looked at that. I wanted to be surprised. So I got 16 <laughs> correct. 
Wow, that's 32%, Mike. That's not a passing grade. What do you think about that? 16, correct. Do you think that that is a bad score, like consider all things considered? Well, for an American, that's a very, I think, a very bad score. For yep. for a, a person from England, probably not. Um, I'm looking at your results here. This is uh, you. Well, okay, you got you got Alaska and Hawaii. Easy. They were the easy ones. <laughs> so that gives you 14 continental United States. Um, what states have you been to in the United States? California, and you got yep. that one right. Yep, Portland. Oregon, you got that one right. Portland. I always in, say, in I always the, say the places. Yeah, I've yeah. been to Nevada. Yeah, you got that one right. Uh, I've been to Michigan. And you didn't get that one. Nope. Uh, and um, maybe that's it. Oh, and oh Tennessee. Tennessee. Georgia and Tennessee. And yeah, Georgia. Well. And you, you, didn't get, you didn't get Georgia. And you did get Tennessee. Yep. So... I think that there are some <laughs> some pretty bad results on here, um, but overall, I'm I'm proud that I was able to get any. To be honest, because it's difficult. I, I've ne- we never studied this. Like, why sure. would we have? You know, um, you got you got Idaho. Yep. You thought you thought Montana was Wisconsin. <laughs> wow. I don't even know why that's funny. <laughs> Wisconsin's not okay. So, if are you looking at the map? Yep. Okay, are you looking at number six, Montana? Mm-hmm. Okay, go to the right. That's yep. North and South Dakota. Go uh, to the right. Yep. That's Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Go to the right. Mm-hmm. That's Wisconsin. Okay. Thirty-four. Well, at least so it you, was you, at the top, though. You did. It was at the top. You got. You got right. You got the uh, what? The X right, but not the Y. <laughs> right. So here's the other thing about this. I had to type in the results. I had to bring up a list on Wikipedia of the states because I don't know oh. the 50 states. Right? So it's like that. that is another thing. I didn't even know all the states. Like I probably could have only done about 20. How did you get... You got Wyoming right. That is a good guess. Yeah, a lot of the, them Because those are the square states. Those are really hard to get, the square states. Complete guesses. Basically, if it wasn't super obvious, right? Like Texas, <laughs> for said, example. You said Utah was Indiana. <laughs> wow. Uh, Who knows? <laughs> and Utah, you labeled well. What was it? Arizona, you labeled as Utah. Okay, I can see that. I can see that you you named Colorado as Illinois. Okay, Illinois in the Midwest, which is not in the middle of the country. It is that's where Chicago is. Um, you put Chicago in Denver, basically. That's okay. You got New Mexico right. You got Texas right. Texas is a good one. That's a good anchor on the lower section yeah. of the map. So like, you, there are some where it's like I have a a vague idea of where this state sits yeah, you put, in the country. You put, you put uh, Missouri and Kansas; they're next to each other. That's right. not that's not terrible. You put Oklahoma and Ohio, or, or you put Ohio and Oklahoma. That's not that's not as good. Um, you put Louisiana in South Dakota. <laughs> okay, that's a bad one. That you missed okay. that one by a lot. That okay. was. That was Louisiana's New Orleans. That's like steamy and on the Gulf. Um, I really struggled with the northeastern states. Well, they're so they're so little. Yeah, let me, yeah. Because me... I know a bunch that are up there. I just didn't know which one was which. You know. <laughs> that... Also, you labeled Delaware as Minnesota. 
<laughs> again. It's funny how like this is hilarious to you, and I have no idea why. Oh it's my funny. god! Well, they're not. They're, it's funny because for for me, I would think that somebody from the United States would would get. I mean, look, North and South Dakota. You know, you get the North and South, so you can figure out which is which there. But you've got to know that they're kind of in the middle there. And if you mix them up with Minnesota, or if you mixed uh, Kansas up with Nebraska, or something like that, I, I would, or, or Missouri with Iowa and Arkansas. I, I could kind of understand that. Or Illinois and Indiana and Ohio. I could kind of understand that. What's fascinating to me is that you've got states that are like, because you don't have any context of how the states, um, like what their character is. So like for me, Louisiana is where New Orleans is. It is a hot, steamy region. It has to be south and it has to be. And it, and you, you probably would know that it like got hit by Hurricane Katrina. It's on the Gulf mm-hmm. Coast and that would be able to place it. And you placed it in the northern plains near Canada. So that's an example where you don't have that context to say, what do I know about this state and be able to, uh, you know, other than a few California and Florida and, and, and things like that. Yeah, see, there were some at the end where I was like, I have some states left and I have some boxes left. So that might have been one of those. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm looking down the list. I'm like, I've got three empty boxes. I don't know what needs to go here. I had to go down through the state list, check all the names that I had, and then just throw some names in and hope that I got some of them right. Yeah, th- that may explain why you labeled Pennsylvania as New York and New York as Vancouver. <laughs> Can't help you, my friend. That's amazing. It's amazing. Well, you know, I, I'm sure if you if you gave me the 20 most populous uh, cities in uh, in the UK and had me label them, I would probably get five. Yeah, but I don't even know if I would get them right. Oh, okay. Fair Because enough. the thing is, like, we're not really... There isn't a focus on it like there is in the US. You know, you guys have this focus on yourselves, which is very different to the, how hmm. the rest of the world looks at their own country, I think. Well, it's a big con. I mean, this is this is a little bit like I, I keep saying this to people who try to compare like the U.S. to a country in Europe. It's like this is a continent, so this would be like like somebody from Europe learning where the other countries in Europe are on a map of Europe. I, I think. Yeah, I would probably have a better job of labeling Europe than places in the UK. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. It is a lot of states, and and again, unless you, and, and I don't mean to offend people because I have I have relatives in many of these states by saying this, but unless you have a personal connection or a cultural connection or something like that to a state, it's easy to not understand what a state is because you know, like I know people in Indiana, so I know where Indiana is. But if you don't know exactly where it is and you don't have any kind of cultural context of I know somebody or there's a you know like New Orleans gives you Louisiana. Uh, if you know that context fairly fairly easily. But if you don't, then, you know, if you don't know that Maine is just kind of all the way up at the top there, um, which uh, you labeled as Iowa. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my. That's just hilarious. Anyway, um, then, then that's why you wouldn't even know. And, and yeah, school children in the U.S. get drilled in this, too. So that's part of it, too. But there's also that context thing of just knowing, yeah. oh, well, New Orleans is hot, so it must be at the bottom. Some I think some of the ones that I got right or close to right was by that kind of that kind of thinking. But I don't know enough about all of the states to know exactly oh. where they sit. I I know about New Orleans as I didn't I didn't specifically know it was hot there, so oh, it wouldn't okay. have helped me. It is. So it's like go. it's hot and steamy, like Florida. All right. Well, you f- you fail. 
<laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by lynda.com. Uh, they probably have a course on learning the states. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, lynda.com is the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills. You can grab yourself a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash upgrade. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash upgrade. Lynda.com is for people that want to solve problems, people that are curious or who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel. Maybe you want to learn how to do your income tax properly. Maybe you want to learn how to go paperless in your home or in your business. All of these things are available to you via lynda.com courses. It was quite funny over the weekend. I was talking to a friend who just got themselves a new job and there's something that they need to learn for their job. They have uh, a new programming language that they need to pick up because um, they only know a little bit of it and they need to brush up their skills. So they pull out their... I was like, oh, you should take a course on it. Um, and they pulled out their phone and they started searching and one of the first results that came up was a lynda.com course and then I gave them a code and now they take it a 10-day free trial. But with lynda.com, you are able to watch and learn these courses from people that are absolute experts who have a real passion for teaching and who create these videos meticulously with great love and care. And you can stream any of them on demand. You can watch them at your own pace. You can watch them at your in your own time and you can watch them wherever you want as well. All their courses are broken down to nice little bite-sized chunks so you can jump in and jump out and you can also watch them on your android or ios device as well because they have great apps to allow you to do that you can also create and save playlists of the courses and videos that you want to watch in any order to customize your own path of learning and then you can share them with friends colleagues and team members as well your membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics all for one flat rate whether you're looking to become an industry expert you're passionate about a hobby that you want to learn or you just want to grab some knowledge with something new go ahead and visit lynda.com upgrade that's l-y-n-d-a.com upgrade you'll get yourself a free 10-day trial to try this stuff out and you'll also be helping support this show thank you so much lynda.com for the continued support of upgrade and relay fm so Jason Snell, uh, there was some new Apple products this week. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, great. Yeah, new uh, mind blowing Apple products. The uh, uh-huh. there was mind bending. I think is a better <laughs> mind uh, mind touching, mind approaching, mind shuffling. So the <laughs> mind yes, nano mind touch. Uh, iPod Touch, new iPod Touch. This is the thing that John Syracuse would be dancing in the streets about probably if. He, you know, didn't go and get an iPhone. Um, the uh, he and he, if he danced, and if he went in the street, okay, really, John Syracuse wouldn't have done any of those things. Anyway, no. uh, new iPod Touch with an A8 processor. So th- this is one of those things where it's not. It is up. <laughs> it's up to spec with the current models, which are 2014, right? So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's the 2015 iPod Touch has the 2014 era, but still current for now. Um, processor of the of the uh, iPhone six, um, al- although probably clocked down somewhat, but still it's an A8 powered um, four inch. So it's the iPhone five series um, screen still as it was before. Um, and it's its first update in what three years or something like that. So I mean that's good news. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Mean, the enthusiasm. This reminds me on Clockwise the other week. Uh, somebody said uh, 
somebody said who will speak for the i the i the ipod and i was like not me <laughs> it's like it's kind of it's kind of fading away but but this is still valuable in in certain contexts as a product because not everybody wants or needs or can afford a monthly uh a monthly phone bill with uh with data on it because the data really is where they they get you and uh and so i know people who have you know dumb phones and ipod touches i just feel like with the ipad and the ipad mini it's less exciting than it was people say well you can get it for a kid and it's true you can get it for a kid and they can put it in their pocket or something but like you know you could also get and it's cheaper than getting an ipad mini even but it's just it's the, the its niche keeps getting smaller and smaller i feel like but it is good that it exists i think to to have something out there that you can buy 199 gets you an ios device that is you know basically an iphone you know somewhere between an iphone 5 and an iphone 6 i really i really struggle to understand the placement of this device um, and I and I know that like the idea is it's like a, it's basically the the lowest end to be able to play games on, right? That's effectively what it is. I, I think it it is kind of like mm. the cheapest way to play iPhone games, right? So you can buy them for kids and stuff. I think yeah. that's probably the prime market. Yeah, but my son has has been using hand me down iPads of of, of mine course. for a couple of years, and it's yeah. w- and 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 that's way better. But they are more expensive. Oh, I agree. But they're way better choices. So I think there's a lot of people that go that way, and I think it's a better way because my feeling about this is bigger screens are better for games, and every mm-hmm. game device every uh, other handheld gaming device is bigger than an ipod touch um it physically or in screen size they're just like bigger devices and, and i think that they work better for games but i think it's the idea of there's no ios devices in a family jimmy would like an iphone so you buy him an ipod touch for his birthday you know i, th- I think that's where this device sits because i genuinely cannot think of another place where it really really makes sense yeah because it's like okay it has a really large hard drive to replace the ipod classic but i just i don't see it i just no i really don't get it it's a very very peculiar device and i find it even stranger with some of the things they've given it and some of the things they haven't like no Apple Pay on this is weird to me. And I know it requires the addition of a Touch ID sensor, which I'm sure is an expensive part. But Apple Pay feels like such a core part of mm-hmm. Apple now. Like it feels like such a big thing for their future. Having a device that that is new, um, that could support it, but doesn't, it seems like a very strange omission to me. I, yeah, I I think it's about making it cheap. I think it's that simple. It's yeah. like you, they didn't they didn't want to put in the you know whatever it is the secure enclave that secure element thing and not just and we're not talking about Apple Pay even necessarily because because of connectivity issues you need a device that's always on the internet to do Apple Pay as the mm-hmm. you know near field stuff. But you can do the you Apple don't. Pay for online. You don't need you don't need it. You, it doesn't need to be connected. to Oh, the it doesn't. Internet. It doesn't. Does no. it? Well, it's nope. the it's NFC. It's not in the iPod. It's not in the iPad either. So they've decided no. to say Apple Pay for online is fine, and yeah. and for not is not. 
Well, because like you know, it doesn't make sense to put an NFC chip in the iPad because you couldn't pay right. But in you, a store you, with you that could thing. theoretically with an iPod Touch. I suppose that's yeah. true. But I think the point is they'd have to put in NFC hardware and they'd have to put in Touch ID hardware. And the idea yeah. here is to create something that's cheap. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the reason. It's definitely the reason is because of the expense. An unlocked iPhone 5s currently is like five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And this is one ninety nine to start, yeah. and um, I didn't actually look up the price, but it's a lot. The gap is huge, and you can't just say, "Well, it's you know, if you throw in the hundred and thirty dollars or whatever, that's the premium they charge when you take an iPad and make it a cellular device." I mean, they would never do that here because at that point, it is an iPhone basically that can't make calls. But who cares? Um, so part of this is an artificial distinction to separate the iPhone from the iPod touch. But uh, part of it is, you know, they are charging so much less for it. And that's partially because they're throwing lots of features out. And I think Apple pay is an expensive feature. I mean, it requires some custom hardware, um, more than one piece of custom hardware to make it work. And I think, I think, you know, I, Apple does not want this thing to be that close to a, to an iPhone and doesn't want it to be that functional compared to an iPhone. That's just not what this thing is for. So I think that's, I, I do think, and I wrote about this at Six Colors, I do think, or, well, no, I didn't. I wrote about this at Macworld. That's a site that I occasionally write for. Um, you may have heard of it. Uh, I wonder if, though, this, if you can have a four-inch iPhone 5-sized um, iPod Touch with an A8 processor in it, it makes me wonder if we will see a four-inch iPhone this fall, which I've been talking about since the last iPhone release that I wasn't convinced that the iPhone 5S was the end of the line and I'm still not and I'm this gives me a little more hope the fact that Apple is still creating products with that screen size and and these products have an A8 processor in them um it 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 makes me think perhaps we will see an iPhone I don't know what 6C or something like that that is essentially this or 5 as something else, 5Q. I don't even know what it would be, but that it was the 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 smaller phone size, um, but with an AA processor in it. And hopefully that one would have Touch ID. Well, it would have Touch ID. Hopefully it would also have Apple Pay at that point. And then you'd have three sizes of phones. Of course, the iPhone 6 would then rev to be even more awesome with like an A9, and it would be essentially a generation behind, but at least like the iPad mini but at least it would exist. So I am going to take that as a positive from this. Even if uh, even if you're not super enthusiastic about the iPod Touch, I feel like maybe it augurs for, you know, a new-ish phone in the old school iPhone 5 size, which some people would like. Not you, because you like the gigantic phone, but some people I've heard, you know, would really love a more modern uh, phone in that size. I want to talk about that very quickly. Sadio in the chat room has pointed out that the iPad Air 2 does have an NFC chip in it, but it's not used. All right, fair enough. I wonder if it must just kind of come connected with, but it's, yeah, it's off. They don't want you tapping your your iPad Air at the store. Because the idea being that people have thought that potentially this is for merchant terminals. Right, I've heard that speculation that at some point they might be able to turn that on and have some sort of... You know, use it as a you know, use your Apple Pay phone to pay to an uh, to an iPod, iPad Air to Apple Pay driven terminal and do it that way. Yeah. But that's just a rumor. Well, I feel like they're not going to do that for as long as they have a good relationship with Square. Well, unless unless Square is the first app that uh, 
unless unless Square gets access to the NFC before anything else. I mean, that could be part well, of this, right? They Square um, have built a Apple Pay reader, right? Right. Which they put on stage at WWDC. So I feel like that that is a thing that they're clearly working with Apple on, and it's you know so maybe Apple have the the chip in there just in case. But right now they're they're happy to work with partners on it. Sure. But, hey, who knows? Um, right. So let's talk about this small phone. Yeah. Um, so what what are you expecting here? Like the body of maybe the C, uh, like the colors, and with all of the hardware of the six. I don't. I I if I had to make a guess, if I if I'm let's okay, we're in fantasy land now because I have no little birdies telling me things. But I, but if I'm in fantasy land, what I would what I would say my bet would be most likely would be something that looks more or less like the iPhone 5S but has an A8 processor in it and does Apple Pay. That would basically be it. That it would be it would look more or less like the 5S that they wouldn't really change the change it to look it's possible they would try to redesign it to make it look more like the 6 um, but I think that they could also just save their time and fit it inside like this this new iPod Touch is the exact same exterior as the old one. It's the dimensions are the same, the weight is the same. So they they didn't bother redesigning the outside. They just redesigned the insides. So let's let's go with that. Let's say that's what they're going to do. They're going to take the 5S um which is you know, it's a nice looking thing. They're they're selling that now. That's your that's your $99 with contract phone. Um and and they put an A8 and Apple Pay support in there. It's already got Touch ID. Maybe they upgrade the cameras a little bit, but but more to the level of last year's iPhones, not the forthcoming new iPhones. And keep it at the ninety as the ninety nine dollar. And at that point, you've got an A9 iPhone six plus for two ninety nine, and as the starting price, an A A9 iPhone. 6s for um 199 and then you've got this thing iphone 5z 5q or iphone 6c or something for 99 and so it's it's a new product that's kind of an old product um but it also it means that people who want the smaller phone can still get it and just you know it's there. It's not going to be as awesome as the the bigger phones are, but it will stick around. And that gives Apple, that allows Apple to keep that lower priced um, phone in the line while having it support, like you were saying, having it support Apple Pay, for example, um, and kind of clear out some of the uh, products that don't. So in your imagination, in this Snell product lineup, there <laughs> yes. is no cheap uh, phone with a big screen. In my imagination, yeah, yeah, that's right. it. That that the iPhone six and six plus are 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 or their their successors are um, ninety nine and one ninety nine, and they're gone, or you know while supplies last or something, or maybe you know maybe they they stick around. Last year's models are also ninety nine. You can get last year's model, but um, I think it would be one reasonable way to do it would be to say you know we've got you know medium, large, and extra large. 99 you know 199 and 299 and then extra for more storage on top of the base the 16 base so would there potentially be in this lineup then we have the 5c 
which will probably just still stick around as like as the, the free, 99. As the free phone. Or the free. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. They've got to have what they got to have a free phone. So mm-hmm. that probably seem, they're not going to keep the 4 or 4S. You know, that that makes sense I think cuz the the phone that goes into that slot. Then they have a 5C plus which is the mythical Jason Snell phone. Yeah, that's the fi- it's the 5S with an A8. Yeah. And Apple Pay. And Apple Pay. Um and then they have the two larger phones in their revved then they're rev like in their revisions basically yeah, yeah the, t- the 2015 no versions phone. yeah that's 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 what i would in this scenario that's what i would say yeah okay. and that the, and that, that that's this is this feels like sort of the the direction apple's going with all its products which is um you've got like your flagships that you update every year and then you've got these other ones that kind of trail a year behind and then you've got some stuff that you keep around because you need something that's got higher margins that you can cut the price on for various reasons, um, not saying they will do it that way, but that would be one way to do it. That would be, um, you know, instead of saying we give you last year's iPhone six for cheap, we say, you know, we can give you this year's four inch phone for cheap, uh, which I think is, I think is a better proposition to say this is the new four inch iPhone. Even if yeah, it's using last year's technology, but it's the new four inch iPhone. Instead of saying this is last year's six, which they could how, do, but but I I feel like there's a market and and for the smaller phone, and so why not just? It's not enough of a priority. Like last year was the first time Apple did two different, like two different entirely new iPhones with the six and the six plus. So of course they weren't going to also update the five at that point. But it was too much, too much. But this year. This year, would they push an update? Just like the iPad Mini 3 will probably go to iPad Mini 4 and get last year's iPad Air 2 specs, right? And just stay a year behind. And this would be the equivalent of that. Okay. Uh, what about the way it looks, this device? Oh, my mythical imaginary? Yeah. It's too bad that 5S is taken or the S could stand for Snell. <laughs> but it's already we call it the double S, now. the five double S. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I think looking at the iPod Touch and knowing like how much work do you want to put into this thing? Look, we want to have it out there and we want to have it be cheap, but we want more recent technology into it. Do you really restyle it? Um, you could, but do you, or do you just say, look, the five looks great. <laughs> Let's just keep the five look around. It won't look like the six and six plus if they do that. So they could totally, you know, they could restyle it to have the kind of curvy edges and stuff and call it a six something, or they could leave it blocky, but have it be modern and even call it a five something. Um, I think I, one of the key problems that Apple definitely looked to solve with the introduction of the 5C is how do you take an old device and make it look new mm-hmm. so it looks like you have a new phone when you buy it and not an old phone? Right. And I think if they kept it just in like 5S, same body, silver, black, gold, I think that they would struggle to sell it. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised Possible. to see iPod Touch metallic colors. That That could be. That could be the the um, with so many of these products, it really is just like how much how how much do they want to prioritize it? Because I don't think this is when I when I'm describing this product, this isn't their high priority product, right? No. The next six plus and six are their high priority products. This is a yes, we also rev that too. 
So that's the question is, do they have enough? Do they want it to look like the other phones? Or do they want it to not look like the other phones? Because what they really want to sell are the big phones. I don't know. Yeah. It would be more consistent to have it look like the 6 family. You say that about selling the big phones. Um, when they introduced... What what was the C introduced alongside? What phone was it that they introduced the, the C alongside? The 5S. Right. Because in the UK and in other places, all of the marketing, like the billboard marketing, was for the C range. All of it. Huh. Yeah, and it's it, very interesting that they did that, but that was the choice that they decided to go down. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that again if they went down that route. It's possible. I don't, I yeah, I don't know. It, it 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 we can we could theorize about it all day and you yeah. know, somebody at Apple may be listening to this and just laughing and laughing, but uh That's yeah, familiar. I I think it, this is we've talked about this before. This is one of those things that is fascinating about talking about what Apple's strategy is, is there's so many different paths they could go down. And they have, inside Apple, they have more statistics, right? Nobody knows more about who's buying phones and how many they're buying and in what configurations where, let alone market research, than people inside Apple. So they know way more than we do about who, you know, what the markets are. And they may have looked at the data and said, you know what, I know people are, there are noisy people out there who say, I want to, I'm not going to upgrade from the 5S because I don't want the big phone. But when we do all of our looks at sales and research, those people are a fraction of the market and we are just not going to bother. That may be the case. I, I would like to believe that it's not the case, but it's possible because they know more than, than we do because they see their internal sales data. But, um, they, even with that, they have so many different choices. There's so many different ways they could go with their product line. So the, it's kind of fascinating to to break it down in that way. Do you spend the time to make a four-inch phone that looks kind of like the iPhone 6 line and do it that way? Do you leave it in the old shape of the 5S? Do you use it as a you know as the shiny colors thing, like six shiny colors, like um, like the iPod Touch? I, I lots of choices. Lots of choices. My my gut feeling is since the 5S is still in the product line, that it would be more a space gray, uh, silver, gold thing. And, you know, maybe looks like the 6, maybe looks like the 5. And that they'll keep that C model as their colorful low-end model. But who knows? If I'm going to take a bet on this, providing it exists, and, I, and I'm still not convinced that they'll make this, um, personally, I, I don't know what I think about that. Uh, I would put a bet on it looking like the five, but having metallic colors. All right, that would be my bet. But I'm still not even convinced it will, it'll exist. I, I don't. I mean, my confidence in this product exists is is greater because the iPod Touch is out there. But it's not like it's not a ninety percent or anything. It's it's. I think it's a. Maybe better than a coin flip. I think I'm. I think it's more likely than not because I think they need to do something other than just clear the five down to the free phone and say forget it. You can't buy. You know we we've abandoned that size. They've they've never said they've abandoned that size, and in fact they still sell phones in that size. I I would like I said I would like to believe that they are not going to abandon that size and that we'll see something a year behind. Um, but I don't think it's a sure thing because like I said they're. There could be market research that makes it clear that in, inside Apple, there is no point in doing that phone. Yeah, because it basically could be, yeah, I'm sure there are quite a lot of people that would love a phone this size, but are there enough to continue making it? 
that's the thing, right? It's like, yeah, there probably yeah. will be a lot of people, but it costs a lot of money to make something like this. Is the cost going to outweigh the amount of people that will buy it? Yeah. I mean, that's a question about the iPod Touch, but they've clearly made that decision there, but they might not want to make that decision for the phone because well, the phones uh, are probably more expensive to make. And what, yeah, what are the margins on that phone versus last year's iPhone 6 at yeah. 16 you know, gigabytes. What 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 are the margin differences there? Would you be better off just marketing a ninety nine dollar iPhone six along with the new, you know, iPhone six S? Um or or would you like to differentiate so that the ninety nine dollar phone isn't the bigger screen and that get people to feel like they're choosing their phone size when they're choosing their price? Um and there probably you could have a whole day of arguments with people at Apple about what the right thing to do is there with lots of different data from the channel. And we don't have access to a lot of that. So we have to sort of speculate about it. But, you know, those are the kind of decisions that go, to, go into it. Is there an audience here? What does it do to our other products? Does it does it take, if, if our margins are less on this than on the on the new, you know, 6S, um, are, are we going to have a certain percentage of those people who are just going to opt for the, the cheaper phone? And that, that hurts us. If we, if, if Apple believes that, um, that they're going to lose a certain number of people who aren't going to buy a six-sized phone regardless, but then there's a whole chunk who would buy a smaller phone if it's there, but otherwise will just buy the bigger phone. And the bigger phone has the bigger margins, and they do the math. They may say, look, it, we, we're killing ourselves if we offer a smaller model that has those margins. Um, so it's, it's, com- it's super complicated. And that's why, that's why my confidence that they'll do it is more like you know 55%. Uh, uh, which is up from before last week, but the fact that there is now uh, a phone, uh, an iPod Touch in that size with a, with last year's processor, gives me some hope that they are. I mean, look, they've built that product now, right? They've built a four-inch device, iOS device with an A8 processor, um, and I could, I would guess that those probably could be that that could be work saved by built by designing them both together. Like, let's bring the A8s to these two four-inch models, but they'll hold off on the iPhone until the iPhones come out. But I don't know enough about that. To, that it may just be that those are two separate projects and there's no nothing to be gained. But, you know, the fact is that device exists. It's got an A8 processor in it. Um, it's very close to being this this iPhone that I've described. And the question is, you know, do they want it to be that too or do they not? I don't know. This episode of Upgrade is also brought to you by Fracture. Fracture is a really interesting company that have a really interesting product that I love very much. A trillion photos are going to be taken in 2015, and Fracture is here to help you rescue your favorite moments from those dark corners of your camera roll, your Instagram feed, or a timeline somewhere else. It's super simple to get a Fracture print of your own. You just go to FractureMe.com, and you upload a photo that you like, And they will make not just an amazing print, they will print your photo amazingly onto glass. It's a really, really magical thing. It creates these prints that you can hang up, which are like nothing else that you will have in your home. It doesn't look like a picture that's trapped inside of a frame. It looks like something that really is all in one. It's super, it just pops. These prints just look fantastic. It's a beautiful piece of glass with a fantastic, vivid photo attached to it. It looks 
fantastic. Once you receive your fantastic glass photo print, you'll want to mount it to display it to the world because it will look so great. And this is super easy because they apply a backing to the prints, which lets you immediately just mount it on the wall. They even include a screw. And also, if you get one of their small square sizes, you can ask to have a little uh, little stand to put it on as well, so you can put it right there on your desk. They have five different rectangle sizes that go all the way up to 21 inches by 28 inches, and they also have three square sizes as well that are perfect for those Instagram shots or album covers, podcast artwork. Both me and Jason have podcast artworks from in Fracture Prints. Maybe you have an app icon or something like that that you want to put there too. Um, I know that Jason loves his. I've seen them uh, di- yes. proudly displayed on the wall. Confirmed. Yes, I'm. I'm looking at the upgrade. The upgrade one's on the top, Mike. It's Good. all the way up at the top there. Good. And uh, yeah, and those are nice. But I've also got a. I've got a beautiful uh, black and white print that's in, in a square. Um, and I've got one that's a that's a, a painting basically, and you've got that same one, and that's a larger one, and it's uh, it's rectangular and in uh, in uh, in landscape mode. It is not a landscape, but it is it is in la- the landscape orientation, uh, a nice rectangular piece of art, and uh, that always struck me that um, that uh, some of my kids' art that I like that's on you know a piece of construction paper or something like that that fracture might actually be a really great way of preserving some of that that I rather than you know framing it or or anything like that you you take a picture of it or a scan of it and send it to fracture and have them print it on the back of the glass and then you hang it up I, I'm I'm planning on doing that with some of my kids uh, kids stuff it is difficult for us to explain just how great these look. And to be honest, it's super cheap to get one of your own. Their prints start at just $15. And you can get yourself 10% off your first order if you use the code UPGRADE at checkout. That will also help support this show. Fracture are a great company. Go buy some Fracture prints. Go to FractureMe.com to get started. Thank you so much to Fracture for supporting this show. So we should talk about, um, really quickly, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but one thing that also happened last week, we mentioned the big news, right? The other big news, iPod Nano, iPod Shuffle releases, uh, they are still, they do still exist, and they got updated. Um, the iPod Nano still looks like iOS 6. John Gruber said that his birdies tell him that there's just nobody left to do anything with that software to update it. <laughs> um, and the iPod Shuffle still exists, and they're, they're, I've heard from some people who still use them. Um, I, even when I run, I run with my phone and if I didn't run with my phone, I would, ju- I, I've got an Apple watch, so I would use that as my iPod shuffle. Um, but I understand that this is all about, there's still a market for it and the margins on those are great. And so why not keep selling them? The the one thing that baffles me though about it is, uh, and this goes back to we're, we're willing to keep selling this product, but we're not willing to do anything to make it that much better like we'll just change the anodized colors but we're not going to do any software work for it because it's 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 not important enough it's too important to kill not important enough to improve and the example i i want to give here is as far as we can tell the ipod nano and the ipod shuffle that were just released don't support apple music (laughs) so if you add a song to your library and you want to put it on the shuffle you can't because it's a drm'd apple music file and they didn't update the software on the iPod Shuffle or Nano to play that stuff, apparently. I haven't tested this. I don't have these these products. Now, on one level, I understand it because they seem to have nobody home developing those products anymore, really. Uh, and it probably would require some 
you know, some maybe serious software changes to to support that kind of DRM stuff or changes in iTunes that when it's, you know, dr- copying to those devices, it does something that makes them playable, wraps them in a different kind of DRM that they understand or, or takes the DRM off, which maybe they can't do because of the licensing agreements for Apple Music. Okay, I get that. However, on, on the other hand, um, it does seem bizarre to me because these are products made by a company that has a music service that um, their music products don't support. And, you know, so I understand the technical reasons why, but at the same time, part of me says, um, why do these products exist if you're not going to support them for something like your brand new music service? Because I was thinking it would actually be kind of great if you're an iPod shuffle kind of person to take uh, an Apple Music playlist and sync it to your iPod shuffle and go for a run. I think that would be a lot of fun, but you can't do it. Even if, like, I mean, it's possible to do, right, in in theory, in the idea that I imagine that if I left my iPhone in airplane mode for a period of time, at some point it's going to say to me, you need to connect this device to the internet to continue listening to your music. Yeah, to the Apple Music tracks. Yeah, I, I would imagine it's, ima- it's going to say that. We haven't tested that, point. but I would imagine after a month or a, a couple of months that there's probably some leeway there because sometimes you're just not on the internet, you're traveling internationally or something like that. You wouldn't want to lose your music, but at some point it's going to say, "Look, you need to phone home. I need to know that this isn't, you know, that you didn't cancel, <laughs> download the every muse- piece of music ever, and then cancel while while this was in airplane mode." We need to see. You know, we need to verify your subscription. I, I, I get that, but there's got to be a period of time, right? And, you know, for something like an iPod Shuffle, is there is there going to be a great heist of Apple Music by preloading a, an iPod Shuffle and then and then never, ever connecting it to a computer ever again? I guess it's theoretically possible, but it seems sort of silly. And even there, they would have to update the software. But, you know, to right. say, you know, in order to listen to Apple Music, you need to keep, you know, you need to plug your iPod Shuffle into your Mac. Yeah. Every, just after like 30 days it yeah, says if you want to continue listening to this you need to authenticate me like it just gives yeah. you that audio message i think they could do this but it's clear that there is nobody working on this no. because like this product image on apple.com slash ipod at the nano is embarrassing because they have five of them four of them are facing you from the back so you see it as the colors but then the other one has a current album tame impala's new album and it's the UI is like shiny, right? It well, looks bad. It's the iOS uh, six, six UI, because and it's not running iOS six. This is not an iOS device. It's running something that has been made to look like iOS, and whoever skinned it is working on more important products now. So my thinking is. To keep the iPod Touch margin low, they have to update the anodization like method for all three of these products, and it spreads the cost. Uh. Because if you wanted to update the colors of this device, you would also you can't separate it from the Nano and the Shuffle because they have their own colors. You have to update all of the colors at once because it spreads the cost amongst the three items for like the anodization like, and the materials that they use for it. So they had to do this to keep the margins making sense. So they have to update the Nano and the Shuffle even though Apple doesn't care about them. 
like in that way. Like right. they don't care about them in the same way they care about the touch because the touch got new features and you can put Apple Music on it and stuff like that, right? It got stuff and it continues to get iOS updates. But the Nano and the Shuffle don't run iOS. There's nobody working on those teams, it seems like. But they had to update the colors. So if you're going to update the colors, you've got to make new marketing materials out of it. So they just did that and they're trying their best to hide it. That's that's my opinion on this. Good conspiracy theory. I like it. I don't know if it has any basis in reality, but it's a good one. Good job. Because I feel like you have to, you know, the, the, they can't keep the old anodization stuff. It doesn't make sense to just do them for those two devices, which if you imagine the iPod Touch isn't selling a lot, no way are the Nano and the Shuffle selling a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they did, They. I think it's the, this is, these products are in the minimal, the minimum, um, minimum required to keep it alive category right now. I wonder if it's like, I wonder why, I wonder if it's just like a pride thing. They want the iPod to live on. I think that they, they look at the sales and figure that it's, you know, given the margins on the products and given the sales, you might as well keep selling them. Like they're, they're in the iPod classic phase now where they're just going to fade away. But there's still there's still a business there because I mean at some point really if you're Apple you're gonna say look you've got an iPhone and you've got like who who is using the Nano and the Shuffle and I know that there are probably like kids and you know there are certain kinds of scenarios where you would want to use a Nano or a Shuffle I I and the prices are good but at some point it's still not a good enough business for Apple to be in but right now it's in it's just good enough for them to keep them alive but to do as little effort as make as little effort as possible. Yeah, it's it's like we're just going to keep this until the point where we can get rid of it, which is exactly what they did with the iPod Classic. So maybe we're a year or two away, maybe a little bit longer yeah. before the Nano and I think the Nano would go first in my opinion and the Shuffle would stick around because it's probably easier to continue just keeping the Shuffle around because it doesn't look weird, right? The Nano looks weird now. Um, but the shuffle is kind of just like this little thing that you just put music on. Like it doesn't, it doesn't. Re- I can't imagine it requires a lot of development to keep alive. Yeah. And then it's like you need something to when you're at the gym. Well, the, the shuffle is perfect for you. Sure. Unless you have an Apple Watch. Unless you have an Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah. See, that's that's the other thing, right? When you move further down the line, it's like we'll just get. An, I, I know you, the prices aren't the same, but it's like well, that's what the Apple Watch is for. It's for exactly for this. We created a whole version to be made when you work mm-hmm. out. That's the product you want, madam. Like you know, that that's just the way that I can imagine them going in the future. Should we do some ask upgrade wrap up? I think that's a good idea. This episode of upgrade and ask upgrade is brought to you by text expander from smile if you ever need to type the same sentences phrases or even words on a regular basis you need text expander trust me on this one it saves you time and effort by expanding short abbreviations into frequently used text and even pictures if you want text expander 5 is out now it has a new yosemite look and feel and it has some additional functionality to help you type even faster than before as text expander will now make suggestions of frequently typed phrases to abbreviate for you so if you're saying something a bunch like thanks for your time and when you're writing these emails or all the best you'll say hey you type this a lot why don't i help you create an abbreviation for it so you don't need to keep doing this text expander is now here to remind you of missed opportunities to help you save even more time when you're typing 
If you are someone who frequently has to fill in forms, for example, with the same information, like, you, I don't know, maybe it's just some shipping information or something like that, TextExpander can make this super simple for you by creating what they call a fill-in snippet. So in just a couple of keystrokes, you can fill in a form that may have taken you minutes to do before, and it's just done. You just like F-F-O-R for form, and off it goes, and it fills all that information for you. You can even use fill-in snippets to personalize and standardize repetitive replies. This is something that I do. So, like, for example, with all the sponsor information that I put into our CMS, like, for example, like the sponsor being Smart on a Text Expander, I type in SSMI and it brings up a snippet list and I can select, okay, Text Expander was this one, this is the code for the show, and this is the text that I need it to go for, and it goes bloop, and it's in there. Which would take me a couple of minutes to type it all out, go backwards and forwards from documents to copy and paste like the URLs in, but no, Text Expander does it all for me. You can sync your snippets among multiple devices, you can store them in an iCloud Drive or Dropbox, that means that they can be with you on your Mac, on your iPad, on your iPhone, they have a text expander for iOS as well. They have a keyboard text expander for iOS and also a bunch of third-party apps like Omni Outliner, Day One, Fantastical, and so many more uh, allow you to have text expander snippets as well inside those applications, so they're always there. I love Text Expander. I think you're going to love it too. Text Expander 5 is out now. It costs $44.95. Upgrades are available for $19.95 for existing users, and it's free to those who purchased on or after January 1st. 2015. So that's awesome there. You can find out more about Text Expander 5 by visiting smilesoftware.com slash upgrade. Please note that Text Expander 5 requires Yosemite and Text Expander for iOS is available on the App Store for iPhone and iPad. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. Hey. So, John asked, uh, what is the average time you spend producing and editing a podcast, cutting out the ums and the ahs, splicing in secret messages, and so on? <laughs> well, secret messages take a lot of time. Uh, well, for me, uh, it varies. The um, uh, Like, I do, a, I, I do a weekly TV podcast with Tim Goodman, who's the chief critic at The Hollywood Reporter, and we talk for about an hour. And I, it takes me maybe five minutes because all I really do is cut the beginning and end of the conversation and get, and like last week his son had to leave in the middle of it. So he had to like go downstairs and unlock the door and say goodbye and give him his stuff and whatever. There was like a little bit in the middle where I had to trim that part out. And uh, that was it. And that that was all I that was all I did. It was a two person conversation. I can write down like this one. I can write down when when there are issues, and we can trim those out. And it's super fast. I don't edit the ums and the ahs out because I think that's how people talk. Unless there's a very long delay somewhere, I just don't think it's worth it to do. I think you could edit forever, and I don't think you would be appreciably improving the. Um, see, I ummed right there. The the product by doing that. Uh, I will say. That for something like The Incomparable, I spend more like three or four hours on it. Something like Total Party Kill, which runs about an hour, I probably spend an hour and a half or two hours. And that's because those are podcasts with lots of people. And often there are some sound issues. And I need to play through the entire episode uh, and, uh, and, and make some changes as I run based on noises that people are making or things I need to cut out. With Incomparable, I'd, I do a lot more kind of editorial influence in terms of saying, this is a digression, I'm going to take this out. And so that one is a much more 
uh, intense podcast. But even there, I'm not cutting out ums and ahs more than like a long pause. I, I won't do it. And occasionally, yes, splicing in a secret message. So uh, my answer is it really varies depending on what the show is and what the content is and what I'm trying to do with it. And if it's got a lot of people and is very complicated, it takes longer. And shorter ones, if I just recorded it, I know everything that's in it. I know it sounds fine. And I know there's one thing I need to clip out. It, it's a five or 10 minute process. What about you? Is it? I, I imagine most of the shows you do are more like that category, the the quick edit category. Not really anymore. No, because um, you're well. You're editing. You're editing the panel shows now, aren't you? So how long does uh, this show take to edit? This show probably takes about twenty minutes now. Yeah, because what I do is like what right next to me, I have a notepad and I write down some of the collisions that we have. So I try and take some of those out, like when we That's talk good. over each other and stuff like that. And I pull some of those out, and I do that for all the shows now. Um, so that has increased my edit time over what it used to be, which was just cutting the end, cutting the start, putting it out there, and letting it go. Um, so that is one thing. Uh, I think. Analog is, uh, we do a heavier edit on that. So, like, we cut some stuff right. to make the show a bit tighter. That's, that's the Casey Liss edit. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is about that is it takes me again about 20 minutes because Casey does the listen through and he makes right. notes of me. The show that takes me the longest to edit is Cortex right now um, because we do a full listen through. Uh, I cut out, I do cut out things like ums and ahs in there to polish it up. And hmm. we cut out things that are digressions, like a Pretty similar to you with the incomparable, actually. Um, so with me and Gray, we do that, and we actually both edit. So I do the f- the first edit, I give it to Gray, and he does a second pass through. Wow. Yep. Uh, so that's how that show is edited. So it's a much longer process. And in those cases, what I have found is a good rule of thumb: if you're doing a full listen through and you're cutting the stuff that is irrelevant, you're cutting the ums and the ahs and things like that. I find it takes about twice as long as the show is to do. Oh. I found. Because you're going back yep. and you're cutting something, going That's back about and it. listening. Yeah, I'd say that for incomparable too. Any anything where you've got a big panel like that, because you're really, uh, it's a two to one ratio. You are, um, you're listening through it, and then there's stuff that you have to go back and change, and that all kind of adds up to about a, yeah. Because your average, I I always tell people it's about three hours to do the incomparable, and you know the shows are all about ninety minutes uh, ish. Sometimes they're not, but they're in that ballpark usually. And so the three, three and a half hours is, is not unreasonable for that. I think that's I think that's right. Panel shows are harder because you do have um, much more over-talking. Like we, you and I over-talk a little bit because we've got some latency here on this, on this show, but it's still just two voices. Even if you kept that in, it would be understandable because there's really only two people it could be. But when you've got five people, seven people, um, you have to take out the the interruptions there are more interruptions and you have to take them out or you'd never understand half of what was being said so james asked uh jason i'm gonna leave this one for you i think okay Uh, james wants to buy a new macbook pro should he wait until USB-C comes to the pro before buying this is the classic when should i buy question with apple stuff and what i would say is you say you want to buy a new macbook pro do you need to buy a new MacBook Pro. Um, because that's what the longer you can wait, the more new stuff there will be. <laughs> that's the that's the bottom line. It's always been that way, it will always be that way. So hold out until you need to buy one. But if you need to buy one, you should go ahead and buy one because you need it. And so it's time. 
there will probably be USB-C in the Pro, but that probably won't be until the next revision of the Pro line, which probably won't be for another year. So are you going to wait until next spring, maybe, to get a new MacBook Pro with USB-C? Um, if you can, then you will get that. Uh, of course, if you buy next year's, you'll be missing some feature that's in the year after that, and that will go on forever. So at some point, you just got to say, all right, I want this one. Like, I don't have USB-C on my Retina iMac. I'm okay with it. Um, because I needed a uh, Retina iMac. I needed a new computer, and I got it, and it's great. So uh, in the end, it's a personal decision. I, I think your MacBook Pro, you know, maybe with, well, let's see. I don't know. I mean, Thunderbolt, the new Thunderbolt and the new USB are going to be big uh, changes. And if you can wait, I would wait, because we are going through a port transition here. And if you can afford to wait a year, I think that's probably good. But again... If you uh, if you need it, you need it. But I would wait if you could. But I would always say that and say like, don't when when you start getting that itch to buy a new computer, don't just buy a new computer. Wait, wait. <laughs> Try to go as far as you can before you just can't stand it anymore, and you have to do it, and then buy it. I think that's that's what I that's what I try to do. This is a completely off topic thing, but something that I meant to mention earlier in the show. Um, about Apple Music. Yeah. Uh, this week, um, Dr. Dre's The Pharmacy Show mm-hmm. has been put in its entirety on Dr- on Dre's Connect page. Oh, see, that's cool. That's cool. That's a that's an interesting test of listen again mode instead of just yeah. a playlist. I would love that because I do, I miss some of these shows and I hear about them later and I can't listen to them. I can only see the tracks and listen to the tracks that were played. And as we've said before, that's not that's kind of not the point of, of most of these shows. The point is to hear the the person who's built this hour or two of entertainment for you and not having access to that seems kind of crazy. So, because I missed I missed Elton John's Rocket Hour, and I'd like to hear it, but now all I can do is see the playlist. There you go. Yeah. So we have more questions. This comes from Olivier. Olivier is looking for a checklist app uh, where they can reuse the same list (laughs) template over and over again. Any suggestions? I was going to say, let's talk to CGP Gray about this, but you talk to him regularly, so I do. So I I know from talking to Gray uh, that it is possible to have project templates in OmniFocus. So you can then invoke a template when you need it and it will just throw up the project and all of the associated items with that project. However, if you need something just more simple, what I use for this is clear. Um, Because with clear, I create a list and I put all the things that I need in that list. Uh, And then when I come to check them off, I check them off, but I don't like delete the tasks because once you check all the the tasks off in in clear within a list you can pull up to like just clear that list but don't do that and then the next time that i need it i just swipe all of the tasks again to reactivate them and it's there ready to go i do this for packing stuff like that Mm. nice so there you go and then will will is very angry at us okay um about our el capitan installs this is probably more me than you he has Uh, three exclamation points in his comment after saying, have you never heard of partitions? Yes. Uh, yes, Will, I have heard of partitions. I have an SSD in my MacBook Pro, so I don't have a ton of space yeah. on it. So I don't want to put aside a really big portion of my MacBook Pro. But also, I want to live with it and use it every day. And you only live once. So... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I have, you know, my, my iMac has an SSD. 
I I do think to really use and and talk about and write about uh, an OS 10 version, you got to live with it. So you have to live with it. And I don't have the space on my SSD to partition. Plus, at this point, I would have to like wipe everything and then repartition. Um, and I don't want to do that. So, oh yeah. So well, that's even worse. Yeah, I just I don't want to do that. So I have I have El Capitan on the external drive, and what I'm going to do is. Uh, at some point here, I'm just going to install it. And the question is just, do I install it on the iMac or do I install it on my MacBook Air? And one of them will become El Capitan. But really, it should be the iMac. I mentioned this last week with the MacBook Air as my emergency fallback machine for things that don't work in El Capitan because I need to use it every day in order to write about it. And the only way, booting, because that's the other thing about partitions is booting into another partition to use the, the new OS, I never stay there for very long because then I got to go back and get work done. And so I'm not really using the new OS at that point, am I? I'm just po- kind of poking around in it and then I go back to using the computer and I'm using the old operating system then. So yes, if you want to be safe, you can have two uh, partitions if you want to set that up. We have heard of them and neither of us is really interested in or willing to do it or thinks that it would be enough of a benefit so and and to to further mr hurley's point yolo exactly (laughs) and then finally uh upgradian steve has written in steve is an aspiring writer he's starting to write some stuff online and he wants to try and learn markdown um but his son was suggesting that to steve that he is wasting his time his son just said why don't you just write it in Word and just paste it into WordPress and call it good. So Steve wants to know, uh, do we use Markdown? Do we think it's a good skill to have? Uh, And what do you use to try and learn it? That's a good question. Do you use Markdown? You don't write a whole lot of things. Um, No, but I do write in Markdown. uh, Whenever I write a blog post, so for example, I write stuff for the Relay blog um, here and there when we have new shows or announcements to make. I write those in Markdown. Uh, and I write, uh, we have a new sponsor system that we're working on, and all of the scripts there are written in Markdown, so I write those in Markdown. Yeah. Um, and also, our CMS takes Markdown, so I yeah. write uh, the show notes and stuff in some instances in Markdown as well, so I'm very used to it. And also, when I'm making notes for myself, I write in Markdown uh, some of my show notes stuff I wrote. So yes, I do. In, okay. Even though I am not a, a writer or a blogger or anything like that, I I still use Markdown when I write things down. And I, I write in Markdown. Uh, what I would say is, it depends on what you're writing and why you're writing it. You don't need to... I use Markdown because um, I like that I can use it in any text editor. And I've internalized the rules, but... but um, I, and I've talked to... I have colleagues who want to write in Microsoft Word. I have colleagues who want to... Uh, write in HTML. They just do the HTML code. My feeling is I don't really like reading HTML. It's not that I can't do it. It's just that I don't really like reading it. And Markdown is a little less obtrusive to the eye than HTML code is. And also, I would always make typos in my HTML code. I'd forget to close a tag. I'd forget to have a you know quote mark at the end of the href in the hyperlink. Um, all, things like that. And And the way I view Markdown is... It is um, easier for me to do it right, less likely that I'm going to make a mistake. And then I generate using the Markdown script, it generates HTML, and that HTML is valid. It's already 
you know, there are no typos in the code because the Markdown script did it based on my thing. Um, I, and I, I use BB Edit for most of what I write. I've got a, I've got a preview window that is a Markdown preview window with, with my site template in it. And so that's great too. But, you know, it doesn't need to be for everyone. I, I use it because of the reasons I've said, because it's, uh, it, it seems easy to use. It's all, it stays readable and then it generates HTML easily in lots of different places. There are plenty of other ways to write um, depending on what you're writing and where you're writing them and why you're writing them. So it may or may not, for Steve, it may or may not be for him. Um, if you do want to learn it, uh, there are, you know, you should go to the Daring Fireball and look at the at the spec document that, that Gruber has. If you really want to, uh, to immerse yourself in Markdown, I would recommend David Sparks's Markdown um, book. It's a book, right? It's an iBook, yeah. Yeah. Um, that so he, it's, it's screencasts and uh, a book as well. Yeah, and he has a he has a co-author. Eddie Smith co-wrote that with him, but it's an iBook book um, that you can get it. Um, you can see about it at maxsparky.com slash markdown. And it's um, in our show notes. And it is in our show notes, which you can find at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 46 or yep. in your podcast app of choice so i'd check that out if you really want to dive in and learn it um uh, david sparks's stuff is great and that's a that's a good uh, book but it's not for everybody and it doesn't have to be and your son your son may be wrong or your son may be right based on uh, what he knows about what you need to do and i think that's the difference i think your son probably would tell you that it was dumb regardless but it may you know it may be worth learning if uh if you're writing a lot on the web and you don't like messing around with HTML or messing around with with uh, with uh, style tools, I never like typing, you know, little, you know, style working in styled text and stuff. I'd, I'd rather not do that either. I'd rather work in uh, in plain text. You mentioned BB Edit. Um, I also use uh, Byword on the Mac, right? Uh, which is what iPhone. Steve is using. Yep, uh, and I also use Drafts. Oh yeah. Yeah, those are great. There are a bunch of great markdown editors on on iOS, especially. Yep. So I use them both. Right. Yeah. So that's it for this week. Um, I want to thank again our sponsors for helping us out today: Lender.com, Fracture, and Smile with Text Expander. If you want to find our show notes, Jason mentioned those a moment ago. They're at relay.fm/upgrade/46. If you want to find us online, Jason writes his fantastic stuff over at sixcolors.com and he's at jsnell j-s-n-e-l-l on twitter and i am at imike i-m-y-k-e thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next time until then say goodbye jason snell goodbye mike hurley